WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. Good morning. It is Friday, December 22nd. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun clouds today, high 38. And then the weekend looks like this. Saturday, Mostly cloudy, high 47. Sunday cloudy, high 50. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 20 and clear in Hampton Bays out on Long Island. It's 23 and clear in Hopewell down in New Jersey. And it is 27 and clear outside our Midtown studios right now. Just a whole lot to get to as we work our way up. Six o'clock hour, Sid and friends in the morning. Yesterday, today, the busiest travel days of the holiday seasons. Records expected to be set. JFK, Newark, and LaGuardia airports. This guy at LaGuardia. Always be patient when you hit the airport. Go with the flow, man. Gotta go. Gotta keep seeing things, man. Can't let the busy airport stop you. Port Authority expects this to be the busiest Christmas, New Year travel period ever for the three major New York airports. The Port Authority says, uh, be careful if you're going to JFK. There's still all kinds of constructions there, being people being rerouted. A triple A talking about lots of people taking to the highway. Uh, there were the people who say, hey, wait a minute. If I don't go to the three big area airports, I go to the smaller ones. It may be easy to, uh, easier to jet out of the tri-state area. So yesterday things were noticeably busier at Westchester County Airport. Uh, some slightly longer lines, but nothing like you have to do deal with at the big three airports. It's really an easy, very easy exit. I mean, going to LaGuardia or Kennedy is kind of torturous. <laughs> yeah, so all departures except for a JetBlue flight to Fort Lauderdale were leaving on time from Westchester Airport. People forget about those smaller ones. And MacArthur out on Long Island. Uh, AAA says travelers can expect to see some long lines, maybe even delays on the road up until January 2nd. The travel company says more than 115 million people across the country will be traveling by car or plane. The kids are out of school. Uh, students are home from college. A lot of parents take vacation, and they make the most of this time. You know, I can't lie to you. You know, I'm not going anywhere. So uh, next week I'll be in and uh, reporting how other people are going on vacation. <laughs> it's a little frustrating. Uh, my brothers, all of them in, like, nice places. I'm getting texts from West Palm Beach, another from South America, and here I am. But anyway, passengers LaGuardia. Uh, say they arrived uh, three hours early to avoid the risk of missing their flight, uh, shocked by the length of the line. The delays just ripple across the country. So New York sneezes and the rest of the country catches a cold. So you're flying out of New York. Keep track of the traffic getting into and out of the airport. All right. So if you are flying out, uh, here's the sideline story that they warned us about over the last couple of years as the spread of COVID and the flu. And uh, there is this one variant that has been hitting people apparently pretty hard across the country. And, of course, now they're worried it'll be spread as people go across the country. Experts say this new variant is driving the infections we're seeing. It is highly transmissible. 
So as we head into the holidays, people are getting together. I worry we're going to see a pretty big surge in cases. All right. Well, at least if I'm not flying, maybe I won't get this. A Baylor infectious disease expert, Dr. Peter Hotez, says the good news is, is that the current vaccine has been designed to fight this variant. A new study shows 70 percent protection against hospitalization. So that's the good news. The bad news. Only about 20% of Americans have rolled up their sleeve to get this latest booster shot. The virus, unfortunately, just continues to keep evolving and it gets better adapted to human to human transmission. You know, I haven't, maybe you have, I haven't heard of a lot of people around me that have come down with COVID as of late. There was a period in November where it seems like a lot of people I knew were at home with it, but it seems when people get it, it's not as terrible as it was back in the early days of COVID. So if you take this new annual immunization, you should get some protection. Yeah. So, and today, by the way, is the start of what the military calls exodus, where soldiers, sailors, and airmen are sent home for the holidays. And you can imagine what kind of a reunion that is for those families to have their loved ones at home on Christmas Eve. The busiest place in the nation may be the airport in San Antonio, which is home to four military bases. And there was a lot of people getting onto planes yesterday, the same today, who were really excited to go somewhere across the country to see loved ones. It takes us a while to get everybody on the same sheet of music when it comes to moving, you know, up to 4,000 service members in 72 hours. Yeah, so the airport's uh, Eric Warner there says they have this down to a science. Buses are staggered, so it won't affect normal flyers. The military works with the airlines to funnel both the troops and their duffel bags through security. It's important these guys get home. No two ways about Instead it. Instead of getting, you know, 100 buses all at once, we were able to have them stagger bus drops off based on the time that service members are departing. Yeah, and you'll remember last year there was that whole disaster with Southwest Airlines, which a lot of military members used to get back and forth, and a lot of them weren't able to get home. But this year they say uh, hopefully no problems, uh, especially with the airport transport being done by the military. You can imagine it's both exciting for them, and also I can get a sense of some anxiety about the whole process. Yeah, so uh, things went well in San Antonio yesterday. The weather there good again today, so hopefully a lot more military members will get out. And um, maybe you noticed last night, was the shortest or yesterday thursday was the shortest day of the year which led to the shortest night of the year uh, the sun going down awfully early and so the good news is is now we add a minute going forward and it will be a lighter a little longer and there's always a group of people that get excited about this whole idea of the change of seasons today's the first full day of winter by the way flat foot Flatbush, that's the name of this organization. They held a celebration in Park Slope on Flatbush Avenue yesterday to celebrate the winter solstice with uh, violinists and traditional Appalachian dancers uh, celebrating the start of the season. I think it's just about bringing some energy and some music and light and joy um, on the shortest day of the year. You know, I think this can be a tough time of year for folks and just getting everybody out in the street and just generating some spirit and playing music and singing together. Yeah, it was a nice little festival last night. WABC News Time 508. Let's go overseas to Prague. 15 dead, two injured in that mass shooting at the University of Prague. Molly Hunter, correspondent, was there. Uh, more information coming in about this attack. This is an ongoing operation. They are still evacuating this university to try to ascertain the full damage. Yeah, the evacuation actually already done, but the shooting happened at Charles University, located near the Charles Bridge, which is a really 
popular tourist site there. The gunman was killed during this uh, rampage yesterday. They say he was a 24-year-old student at the university, and his father, uh, he was found dead earlier in the day. More than 15 people dead, the attacker also dead, and at least 24 people injured. It is a male, 24-year-old Charles University student. Police say his father was found dead earlier today. They say the bodies of the victims have not yet been identified. And Molly Hunter says the Czech interior minister adding some more information to this story late yesterday. There is no information that this incident would be connected to international terrorism. So there has been no motive given. Uh, there has been no kind of real detail about how the attack first started. Yeah, so a picture posted on X, which uh, formerly known as Twitter, showing students crouching on the ledge against a wall several stories above the ground. You may have seen this photo. The prime minister of the Czech Republic calling the shooting tragic, and he canceled a trip to return to Prague to see and handle all that was going on there. 510, let's bring it back home. The Democratic mayor of Chicago just furious that Texas keeps sending migrants to his sanctuary city. They're just dropping all people anywhere. Do you understand how how raggedy and how evil that is? Yeah, so Mayor Brandon Johnson, like Mayor Adams, facing a growing backlash from his constituents, saying it's putting a strain on his city. He passed a new rule allowing police officers to impound buses carrying migrants from Texas if they did not get a permit from the city. So in response, Texas has started sending migrants on planes. The governor of Texas needs to take a look in the mirror of the chaos that he is causing for this country. Of course, the governor of Texas dealing with his own chaos from the migrants crossing the border there. Uh, Mayor Johnson calling the governor evil. This is not just a Chicago dynamic. He is attacking our country. The first flight arrived on Tuesday. Republican governors and a handful of states are shipping migrants to self-proclaimed sanctuary cities like New York, run by Democrats, claiming they, too, are getting overrun with migrants and the White House isn't helping. Meanwhile, top Biden administration officials will head to Mexico in the coming days as the surge of migrants continues to come across the southern border. Additional enforcement actions are urgently needed so that key ports of entry can be reopened across our shared border. National Security Spokesman John Kirby telling reporters the Secretary of State, DHS Secretary, will meet with the President of Mexico. Secretary of State Tony Blinken, Secretary of Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas, to meet with President Lopez Obrador and his team to discuss further actions that can be taken together to address current border challenges. Yeah, so everybody pointing fingers at each other on this blame of these migrants crossing the border. The White House's Congress has failed to pass any meaningful immigration reform. Congress pointing back at the White House, basically saying the same thing. Meanwhile, a legal battle brewing over a newly signed Texas law that allows local cops to arrest anybody who they believe crossed the border illegally. State Attorney General Ken Paxton believes it will hold up in court. So as a state, I think we have a right to protect our border. We have a right to protect our people from crime. Lawsuits have been filed by numerous groups, including the ACLU. On top of that, a group of Democratic congressmen want the Justice Department to step in. We're trying to disincentivize what the federal government is supposed to disincentivize. Texas lawmakers passed this legislation in an effort to force the administration to do more to secure that border. And while we're in Texas, a near total ban on abortions in Texas is not enough for some. The city council in Amarillo is looking to ban women from using their roads to travel to places where the procedure is legal. In other words, out of state. I believe that's a baby. And so I think there's an injustice occurring.
uh, by killing that baby. The push being led by Councilman Don Tips, who you just heard there. His proposed ordinance would let private citizens sue anyone suspected of taking a woman through Amarillo to get an abortion outside of the state of Texas. 513, let's go overseas. The war between Israel and Hamas now in its 77th day. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken defending the U.S. position on the war. I hear virtually no one saying, demanding of Hamas that it stop hiding behind civilians, that it lay down its arms, that it surrender. This comes ahead of a long-delayed vote uh, by the U.N. Security Council on a resolution that calls for a humanitarian pause. That vote pushed back three times because of disagreements over the language of the resolution. Now there's unreleased video, the Israeli military says, from a military dog at the scene in the Shujayin neighborhood of Gaza City. The GoPro recorded the hostage's voice. Correspondent Molly Hunter says one of the hostages' mothers blamed Hamas for the death of her son. I love you all, she says to the battalion in the recording. I know what has happened is not your fault. And the father of one of the three hostages wants to see the video of what took place. And I ask the IDF investigators to see the movie. If there is any movie, I know it's supposed to be somehow filmed. Yes, so the U.S. says serious negotiations underway over the possibility of a new truce in Gaza and further release of Israeli hostages by Hamas. Riham Jafari, he's from Action Aid Palestine. He believes the international community should be doing more to secure that ceasefire. People are dying of hunger and starvation. Children are dying of hunger and starvation. Yeah, but we will point out Hamas has rejected an offer of a temporary pause in the fighting during talks in Cairo this week. Hamas officials say 20,000 people, that's the number they are giving out, have been killed in Gaza since the military campaign began. This shows how the, the morals of international community fail to address a, a catastrophe. Yeah, so word today is they're still in talks. Uh, nobody's walked away yet from the table in terms of another truce or ceasefire, an temporary one, to get more of those hostages who are in Gaza, some of them American, out. All right, 515, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Happy Friday. Good morning, Justin Ellis. Happy Friday. Good morning to you, Noam. Late in week 16 in the NFL, kicked off last night on Thursday Night Football. Matty Stafford passed for 328 yards and two touchdowns. Rookie Puka Nakua had nine catches for a career-high 164 yards and a score. Could be your offensive uh, rookie of the year there in the NFC. And the Rams surged forward in the race for postseason berth with a 30-22 to victory over the New Orleans Saints. The Rams are above 500 for the first time since week one after sitting at 3-6 and six in their bye week last month. Uh, they've also jumped past Minnesota and moved to sixth in the NFC standings in its bid to secure a wild card a playoff spot locally this christmas eve weekend the five and nine jets will welcome in the four and ten washington commanders at 1 p.m on sunday as three-point favorites on christmas day that's monday the five and nine giants will be in philadelphia for at 4 30 p.m to kick it off with my eagles philly currently stands as a 13 and a half point favorites for that one on the ice last night the Devils were the only local squad in action falling to the Edmonton Oilers 6-3 at home in Newark Dawson Mercer Jonas Siegenthaler and Timo Meyer scored for the Devils who lost their third straight after winning 8 of 10 tonight we've got Rangers hockey to look forward to with New York getting set to welcome in the aforementioned Edmonton Oilers for a 7.30 p.m. Puck drop, no local action last night on the hardwood but the Nets will be back out there tonight at the Barclays Center to welcome in the Denver Nuggets for a 7.30 p.m. tip-off. And out of the world of baseball, um, Japanese star Yoshinobu Yamamoto 
Yamamoto, I should say, and the Los Angeles Dodgers, uh, where we heard this before, are in agreement on a 12-year, $325 million contract, sources told ESPN yesterday, ending a frenzied free agency with the largest deal for a pitcher in years in value in Major League Baseball history. The deal pushed the Dodgers free agent spending this winter to more than $1 billion following the 10-year, $700 million contract they gave to Shohei Otani, Yamamoto's fellow countryman. The news comes after a wild 48 hours in which the Dodgers outlasted both New York teams. Uh, I think the Mets ended up uh, matching the Dodgers, and uh, Yamamoto decided to go to uh, Los Angeles instead. And the Yankees, I think they maxed out Noam at $300 million. So So this Dodger team, if they don't make the World Series and win it, it'll be a failure, right? Sooner or later, the only sport you're going to be able to watch is hockey, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's getting getting ridiculous. It is. I mean, and I'm a Yankees fan, so we spend a lot of money, too. So it's like it feels weird coming out of my mouth. But at the same time, the sport needs a salary cap. It's the only way to make this not happen. Yeah. You know, not everybody can go to the Dodgers. I'm sorry. Not everybody. Yeah, like maybe maybe send somebody to the Milwaukee Brewers. <laughs> yeah, while you're I, I, like I don't know. You know, there's there's 29 other teams. So let's do something about it. My God, hmm. well, it just sucks. You boring teams in the World Series. I know. That's so, true. Well, we that's, don't want boring teams in the World Series. You're right. That's, I know. Well, that's which one do you want? We well, want big city I, I, teams. I, I'd like a little. I'd like. I'd like a little bit of both. Yo, okay. Can, can I have a little bit of both? Okay. Like uh, Not, Yan- Yankees, Arizona. No, no, no. <laughs> Listen, I mean, in the in the in the in a perfect world, you get a Yankees Dodgers World Series this year, but it doesn't matter. I mean, it's just like if you're in the National League, for instance, your team in the National League, especially out in the NL West, what, what's the point? You know, the truth is nobody cares about baseball anymore. That's really what it comes down to. Look well, how many people watch the World well, Series. Well, that's where you're wrong. Like no, two or three million fine. people watch the game. <laughs> that's it. You're just blatantly wrong. More yeah. people watch a basketball game now. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. 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 And that's because of what the in season tournament, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, God, Jesus, let's just drive all four major sports right into the ground. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's sports. I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 520. North Korea leader Kim Jong-un says he won't hesitate to attack in the event of a nuclear provocation by the U.S. or South Korea. And Tokyo, correspondent Chris Gilbert says the ballistic missiles it fired on Sunday and Monday were in protest to ongoing military assertiveness by the two countries on the Korean Peninsula. Kim Jong-un says the two launches are a demonstration of his personal commitment to defending the DPRK against its enemies. North Korean state media reports the projectiles, quote, shocked U.S. imperialists and their top-class stooges. It calls America the records of peace and stability, citing joint war drills with Japan and South Korea as self-destructive acts of obsessed hysteria. In return, the U.S., South Korea and Japan condemned Pyongyang as the agent of instability in the region. Chris Gilbert in Tokyo. And the opening ceremonies of next year's Olympics, they could be moved for security reasons. President Macron told French TV journalists that the Olympics opening ceremony could take place elsewhere if a possible terror attack is detected two weeks in advance, with the National Stadium the Stade de France the obvious backup location. The opening event, which is scheduled to take place on the River Seine in the centre of Paris, presents clear logistical challenges from the half a million spectators on the banks of the river to the hundreds of athletes due to take part in the parade on dozens of different boats travelling down the Seine. Ross Cullen, Paris. And let's bring it back home. Donald Trump furious, apparently, at Republican Texas Congressman Chip Roy, who's campaigning for Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. The former president called him a rhino, which, of course, stands for Republican in name only. I'm not going to bow down to the altar of those who say, you must fall in line, young man. No, I don't. 
Congressman Roy says he's standing on principle. He endorsed DeSantis before the campaign officially began. Trump posted on a social media site that he wants someone to challenge Roy in the Republican primary. The filing deadline, though, was last week. As a man, as a father, as a husband, I have an obligation to go stand up for who I believe in. I believe in Ron DeSantis. Congressman Roy says he won't fall in line. Rudy Giuliani, no doubt you heard yesterday, filing for bankruptcy. Rudy Giuliani's assets is being between $1 and $10 million, and his debts at between $100 and $500 million, although the specific layout of the debts adds up to about $152 million. In Washington, correspondent Ken Dillian there says it comes after a Georgia jury decided last week he must pay more than $148 million in damages for defaming two election workers. This defamation judgment is not dischargeable in the bankruptcy. It's on pause now because he's filing for bankruptcy. Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss will get to put liens on his wages, may get a piece of his assets, but the reality is they're going to get pennies on the dollar. Giuliani says he has between one and ten million in assets among the creditors. Giuliani lists are the IRS um, and um, Hunter Biden, who's suing Giuliani for allegedly taking his laptop and violating his privacy. Five twenty-three. The FDA has approved a tool to help determine if a person is susceptible to opioid abuse. The test uses genetic markers to make the determination and is meant for those who may need opioids on a short-term basis following a procedure or injury. The process of the test is a cheek swab that tests for certain genetic markers that are associated with drug addiction. Despite the FDA approval, some experts warn the test could lead to false positives and a false sense of security for patients. Jonathan O'Halloran, NBC News Radio, New York. Home sales inched higher in November, even as prices continue to climb, and buyers paid mortgage rates that were at their highest level in years. Sales of existing homes rose 0.8% in November to a seasonally adjusted annualized rate of 3.8 million units, finishing a five-month slide. Sales were still weak, even though closed deals of existing homes beat expectations. Elevated prices, together with the average rate for the 30-year fixed mortgage nearing 8% in October, have created the least affordable market in several decades. Mortgage rates reached a 23-year high of 7.79% at the end of October. Since then, the average rate for the 30-year fixed-rate loan has fallen to 6.95%. This is according to Freddie Mac. Aaron Rayal, NBC News Radio. And um, just the season of giving gifts, but is it better to give or receive? A bunch of studies suggest the answer to that age-old question is giving through charitable donations, gifts, and even Time ignites reward centers in the brain. It adds years to your life. And if you want a number on that, on average, about 44% longer. You have a 44% less chance of dying in the next five years if you spend a fair amount of your time involved with giving. Yeah, so this is Don Don Buckland, a preventative medicine doctor. He says he's been given... He has proof that uh, giving decreases blood pressure, reduces stress uh, and depression. So all good, better to give than to receive. They make your serotonin levels go up. They release natural versions of morphine, those kind of things that make you feel grand. Yeah, none of that a shock. Um, You know, for the last 10 days or so, I've been talking to Lou about how much we should give the garage guys and over the last couple of days, anybody that's hit me up for somebody who has an idea of how to tip somebody, I've put them on. So it is the holiday season, and with it comes the confusing task of tipping. And we just get such good service, and we really like the people who like our sanitation workers and the mail carrier. And 
Yeah, so guidelines range from at least $25 each if you live in one of the apartment buildings in the city where you have several doormen to 150 bucks. On mail carriers are prohibited from accepting cash or gifts cards. So apparently a non-cash gift is best. I don't know, like baked cookies or something. If it's a smaller building and you have a very personal relationship with those doormen, um, you know, feel free to be more more generous within your means. Yes. Yeah, so the deal is, they say, personal. Uh, it's a personal decision on how much you decide to tip. Ultimately, tipping is very personal, and it's a gesture of your gratitude. So it should always be something, an amount that you're comfortable with. So for a housekeeper, it's one week's pay. For a babysitter, it's one week's pay. But nowhere in here does it say how much you're supposed to give the guys in the garage. Have you yeah, handed I, over your tips to those I guys? Have, I have not. Today is the day I will gather. It's, I, I'm, I'm going to key in on three three of them, three okay. of our guys, who uh, one of them, you know, well, I see two different guys in the morning and then a couple when we leave. So I think the guy, the owner, who has really been nice, I think definitely him. And I think, uh, uh, you know, Jose, I think the other guy, he's very good. And uh, they're just they just move fast and they're good guys. And those are I'm going to focus on. Okay, so if you could do me a favor, tell me you don't tell me on the air, but Uh, off the air, you'll tell me how much you're giving. I will. And then I'm going to give them a dollar more. (laughs) (laughs) Why am I not shocked? (laughs) But can, can the postal workers people tip? Yeah, they do. You're not. They're not supposed to take it, but yeah, lots Who of people give money to the post store. I don't I mean, know. This is out of control. This it is, is their job to deliver the mail. I mean, think. you're doing your job. <laughs> this, that's that really, and they got a good job too. They do. Lots of benefits. I'm going to set up a, a Venmo, and you can send me money if you like listening to the 5 o'clock news I'm hour. just going to say I'm a postal worker from now on. <laughs> yeah, right. Jeez. Wall Street uh, closed uh, yesterday. Stocks higher. This comes after the Dow, NASDAQ. Both had the worst days on Wednesday since October, actually. The closing bell, though the Dow did gain 322 points. S&P 500 rose by 48. The NASDAQ gained 186 points. Talk Radio 77 WABC. <laughs> It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. Good morning. It is Friday, December 22nd. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun, clouds today, high 38. The weekend, it looks like this. Saturday, mostly cloudy high 47 sunday cloudy high 50 if you are walking out the door with us right now 20 and clear in hampton bays out on long island it's 23 and clear in hopewell down in new jersey and it's 26 and clear right here outside our midtown studios we'll start this half hour out on long island this wild brawl on the highway 10 people captured on video after a two-car crash in which a truck flipped on its side on Long Island, Suffolk County police say the two trucks crashed. This was about 1230 Sunrise Highway near North Green Avenue in North Lindenhurst. After the crash, there was this long brawl that broke out that was caught by fellow drivers. It was including uh, men and teenagers. It was pretty loud. Well, we were amazed. We were just totally amazed. Saw a bunch of guys, probably five on Five, swinging baseball bats and two by fours, and uh, we were we were amazed. We were just totally amazed. It is wild video. Nineteen-year-old James O'Connor 
38-year-old Patrick O'Connor Sr. and a 16-year-old Patrick O'Connor Jr., each charged with two counts of assault. James O'Connor was also charged with two counts of reckless endangerment, two counts of endangering the welfare of a child and leaving the scene of an accident. It's a lot of charges. And that's when the ambulance and the fire truck and all that started to come in. And then the traffic started getting backed up at that time as well. My understanding is nobody was seriously hurt, but uh, some people were in the hospital. Yeah. It's, uh, it was an experience. So crazy brawl, and you say, what's going on here? They get into an accident, and they start fighting each other? Well, now we have more of the story, thanks to the police out in Suffolk County. They say everyone involved in this accident knew each other. It was bad blood between relatives. All three are citizens of the U.K. or Ireland. The dispute between distant cousins apparently started earlier in the day at traffic court. And then when they walked out of traffic court, there was a car trace uh, that was followed by the crash and the fight. So that's where you saw those brawlers throwing punches, swinging sticks, all three now being held on $50,000 cash bail. Just sort of wild. Merry Christmas to them, huh? Uh, For families in New Jersey... Uh, a fair number of them. They're not going to be back in their house for Christmas after all that flooding from the Passaic River. Neighborhoods, some of them not completely surrounded by water at this point because it started to recede, but the houses are just mess. Now some residents being told the rivers won't dip below these flood stage until the weekend at the earliest. So they may not get into their homes before Christmas Eve. Right after the rain stopped, that's when water started flooding. Right after the rain. So it wasn't, you know, while it was raining, it started after, after it started flooding. Our basement is all, was all covered up. It was filled with water and stuff. Uh, the, the few things we can put up, you know. Uh, we did, but the rest pretty much got damaged. Uh. Yeah, so that's one neighbor who was able to get back into their house. But a handful of streets in Little Falls reopened. A lot of them are still closed, and they won't let neighbors or residents get into their homes because it just there's too much water in the area. So some people, again, may not get home before Christmas. We have no other options. Like, you know, the streets are all blocked off. Police aren't really letting anyone through. So we just have to wait and then hope the damages are, you know, variable. <laughs> the water on these streets is pulling back into the Passaic River at a really slow pace. Governor Murphy, he did not declare a state of emergency, but he did announce new tools to protect state residents from increasing flood risks. Anyone who wants to buy or rent a home in a flood-prone area must receive disclosure forms about flood risks. A new website will also allow prospective homeowners to look up houses in flood hazard areas. Let's go back to Long Island just for a moment. A retired elementary school teacher on Long Island now accused of sexually abusing students there for years. It's 75-year-old Thomas Bernagosi did not have much to say about the disturbing allegations against him when cameras surrounded him yesterday. The former Bayshore teacher is accused of sexually abusing students in his care for years. Here's Suffolk County District Attorney Ray Tierney. The breadth of the, um, the abuse itself is, is astounding. Suffolk County police began an investigation after two men reported the abuse happened while they were students at Gardner Manor Elementary and Mary Clarkson Elementary. And this dates back to the 1980s. Right now, because of the statute of limitations, he's charged with abusing two children, uh, 
however, uh, you know, we suspect there's much more. So we urge uh, anyone who uh, has any information in this case uh, on these two cases or any other case to come forward. So Robert Hubbard is one of the students who says he was abused. He's in his 50s now, but he says he's carried this abuse with him for years. And he says he tried to report Bernagosi to authorities a long time ago. He was my third grade teacher. I played baseball, after school baseball with him uh, an event where he would molest me after baseball. He always used to tell us, don't tell your parents, don't tell anybody. This is our secret. You know, and as a little kid, you're a little kid. You don't know, you know, until you get a little older and you realize what he was doing. And that's where that's where the pain set in. Yeah. One of the more amazing parts of the story is uh, that uh, Robert Hubbard got a job working for the school system and saw that Bernagosi was still a teacher there. And he was in total disbelief. And he says when he reported it to the school, they didn't do a whole lot about it. Put it out there to the school board. I put it out there to my superior. And, you know, instead of doing something about it, they fired me from security. What he did to people was horrible, was 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 really bad. So and he did just didn't do it to me. He did it to a lot of people. Yeah, Hubbard, among 43 men now who filed civil lawsuits against the Bayshore School District, the school district says it does not comment on pending litigation. WABC News Time 540. Let's go out to New Jersey. Some people in Patterson. Getting extra help just in time for the holidays, the city relaunched its guaranteed income program for a second year. So 200 families were selected to receive 400 bucks a month for the next 12 months. Last year, Mayor Andre Sayas said 100 residents received those extra funds, and he says it was a big deal. On food, so groceries. Mm-hmm. They also used it to pay utility bills, also to help pay rent in some instances. One woman said that for the first time in her life, as a result of this guaranteed income initiative, she had a real Thanksgiving with her family. The program meant to alleviate financial hardships within the community. Hundreds of people rallying on the steps of the New York Public Library in Midtown yesterday, calling for a ceasefire in the Israel-Hamas war. We've seen a lot of these protests. This is a genocide that's taking place, and we cannot wash our hands of this. There were counter-protesters uh, right across the street, waving Israeli fags, uh, flags that gathered. Until Hamas surrenders or is entirely defeated, the Israeli army cannot stop fighting. Meanwhile, five miles south of the Barclays Center, the um, there was a basketball game going on, a special game. Two teams of high scores, each side made up of both Israeli and Palestinian New Yorkers, and they played together on the same teams. And uh, it was a nice moment set up by a number of organizations. Here in New York City, around the world, that we need to find different avenues to relate to each other in a calm and reasonable way. The young people are probably going to guide us into the future as it relates to all of these matters and all of these issues. To collaborate around sports and kind of leave everything else on the side is a, is a uh, the potential to have a new conversation started. The purpose of the game is to let kids from different backgrounds get to know each other as teammates without the backdrop of politics and war. My local bodega 
is owned by a Palestinian family that has lots of loved ones back in Gaza. And when I went there to go shopping a couple of days ago, we know each other well. The first thing he asked me was, how's my family doing in Israel? And then the second question was, how's your family doing in Gaza? By the way, none of it good. But, you know, there was a great relationship there that's bigger than the conflict that's going on overseas. Call it a sign of the season and another sign of the region's pandemic recovery on the rails. For the first time since the pandemic, Metro North is rolling out its shopper special trains tomorrow. Shopper specials are these longer trains to accommodate more shoppers who want to get into the city. The MTA says it's been doing it sort of quietly since uh, over the last couple of weekends since weekend ridership is up. But um, now it's official, and they had not done this for a number of years. Uh, they say, in general, ridership has been up big time on Metro North that people, more of them, workers, are coming into the city to get to their jobs. 543, Governor Hochul says she's watching very closely after the Colorado Supreme Court banned former President Trump from appearing on the 2024 Colorado ballot. Hochul was asked if she thought Trump should be allowed on the ballot in New York, given his actions surrounding the January 6th Capitol riots. Shame on us what happened to this country when a Capitol that I used to proudly walk in as a member of Congress was literally under siege. People died. People were injured. And if he doesn't take responsibility for that, then the American people ought to hold him accountable. So that's what's starting in Colorado. A group of voters led the lawsuit in Colorado invoking the 14th Amendment, which stops a person from holding office if they engaged in an insurrection or rebellion. I'll be very intrigued to see whether, similar to Colorado, a group of citizens who are aggrieved want to point out the fact that uh, that their state has been successful. We'll see what the Supreme Court does. So similar similar legal cases are pending in more than a dozen other states across the country. Of course, the Trump campaign taking the Colorado deal to the Supreme Court, where they think the Supreme Court will take their side and put him back on the ballot. 544, the city's teachers union is suing to block New York City's plan to cut up to $2 billion from its budget for schools. This is all the budget cuts to the, for the migrant mess here in the city. The head of the United Federation of Teachers, Michael Mulgrew, claims as the state increased funding to public schools, the city illegally slashed that funding. We're saying enough is enough. We are already seeing more overcrowded classrooms. We are seeing supply shortages. We are seeing children with special needs not getting their mandated services. The union says the cuts have already affected universal pre-K, after-school programs, and summer school programs. The Adams administration has said the budget had to be cut, including education, to make up for the cost due to the influx of migrants into the city. 545, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Ellen. Thank you, Noah Mullen. Week 16 of the NFL kicked off last night on Thursday Night Football. Matthew Stafford passed for 328 yards and two touchdowns. Ricky Puka Nakua had nine catches for a career-high 164 yards and a score. And the Rams surged forward in the race for a postseason berth with a 30-22 victory over the New Orleans Saints. The Rams are above 500 for the first time since week one after sitting at three and six in their bye week last month. They've also jumped past Minnesota and moved to sixth in the NFC standings in its bid to secure a wild card playoff spot. Locally, this Christmas Eve weekend, the five and nine Jets We'll welcome in the 4 and 10 Washington Commanders at 1 p.m. on Sunday as three-point favorites. On Christmas Day, the 5 and 9 Giants will be in Philadelphia at 4.30 p.m. to kick off with the Eagles. Philly 
currently stands as 13.5-point favorites for that one. On the ice last night, the Devils were the only local squad in action, falling to the Edmonton Oilers 6-3 at home in Newark. Dawson Mercer, Jonas Siegenthaler, and Timo Meyer scored for the Devils, who lost their third straight after winning 8 of 10. Tonight, we've got Rangers hockey to look forward to, with New York getting set to welcome in the aforementioned Edmonton Oilers for 7.30 p.m. Puck drop. No local action last night on the hardwood, but the Nets will be back out there tonight at the Barclays Center. They'll welcome in the Denver Nuggets for a 7.30 p.m. tip-off. And out of the world of baseball, Japanese star Yoshinobu Yamamoto and the Los Angeles Dodgers are in agreement on a 12-year, $325 million contract. Sources did tell ESPN yesterday ending a frenzied free agency with the largest deal for a pitcher in years and value in Major League Baseball history. I don't know why we wonder anymore what team is going to get these big names. It ends up being the Dodgers every single time. The deal pushed for the Dodgers free agent uh, spending this winter to more than $1 billion following the 10-year $700 million contract they gave to Shohei Otani. Not to mention bringing in Tyler Glass now to also bolster that starting rotation. Yamamoto's, uh, or I should say the news, comes after a wild 48 hours in which the Dodgers uh, outlasted both New York teams to secure the coveted international star. At what point do they not make enough money back for all the money they're putting out? I mean, $1 billion is a lot of money. Yeah, they'll make it back. I mean, they're going to sell out 162 games. The really good seats in the stadium are probably, you know, to sit on the lower level, 300 400 bucks. You know, jersey so, sales, I guess. Jersey kind of sales, yeah. concessions. Oh, they'll make it. Hmm. They'll make it more, way more. Really, okay. way more than. A, yeah, I mean, billions, a lot of money. They make. I would. I would venture to say the Los Angeles Dodgers make more than a billion dollars a year. Crazy. Yeah, out of control. Anyway, that's sports. Uh, guess we won't be watching much baseball this season, at least until. Actually, the American League will be watchable. National. I don't know what Mets fans are going to do. You can't watch that. No. Not, at least not when they play the Dodgers. Apparently drink some hemlock, according to you. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just the season saying. hasn't even started. I mean, it's a long season, and it's it baseball. Is. Anybody can win. Right. Blah, 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 blah. But well, wait till the Yankees win 14 in a row. Ellick will be going crazy. I'm in the American League. I'm not going to worry about the Dodgers until I get to the World Series. But okay. everybody else. I got you. you know. I'm, I'm not going to worry about them either. All right. <laughs> well, then, that makes two of us. Okay. How about you, Noam? Are you worried? Are you I'm not. Do? Okay. No. That makes three of us. It must yeah, be the hol- yeah. it must be the holiday season, right? That's- <laughs> not even baseball. <laughs> That's sports. No, I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. Today is the uh, busiest travel day of the holiday season, the Christmas season, anyway. Records expected to be set. Actually, JFK, Newark, and LaGuardia airports. It was really busy yesterday, but they say even busier today. This dude, to this guy, this man, he was at LaGuardia. Always be patient when you hit the airport. Go with the flow, man. Got to go. Got to keep seeing things, man. Can't let the Busy airport stop you. And those small airports, they do really well this time of year. And for a lot of people, they say that's a better alternative than going to the big three, Newark, LaGuardia, and Kennedy. It was busier, though, at Westchester County Airport yesterday. Slightly longer lines to be screened at TSA, as well as baggage pickup and drop-off. But ultimately, people who were at Westchester County Airport say this was a better experience. It's really an easy, very easy exit. I mean, going to LaGuardia or Kennedy is kind of torturous. (laughs) And there were not a lot of delays, all the departures at Westchester, except for a flight 
JetBlue to Fort Lauderdale. They were all leaving on time. We can't say that for the big three area airports. AAA says travelers can expect to see long lines, maybe even delays on the roads. Uh, between now and January 2nd, the travel company says more than 115 million people across the country will be traveling by car or plane. The kids are out of school. The uh, students are home from college. A lot of parents take vacation and they make the most of this time. Yes. So, uh, you know, it's going to be bad uh, today. You know, people coming into the city, leaving for vacation, heading out of the city. It's going to be rough. The delays just ripple across the country. So New York sneezes and the rest of the country catches a cold. So you're flying out of New York. Keep track of the traffic getting into and out of the airport. Yeah, and speaking of catching a cold, here's the worry, and we've had this over the last couple of years with COVID. COVID cases, once again, on the rise. Worried uh, doctors are and hospitals about uh, the Christmas season because now everybody's going to travel across the country around the world and bring home whatever the sickness they have. In this case, this new variant that's driving COVID infections. It is highly transmissible. So as we head into the holidays, people are getting together. I worry we're going to see a pretty big surge in cases. So here's the good news is that's Dr. Peter Hotez, by the way. He's a Baylor infectious disease expert. He says the good news is the current vaccine has been designed to fight this variant. The virus, unfortunately, just continues to keep evolving and it gets better adapted to human to human transmission. Yeah. So the bad news is only about 20 percent of Americans have rolled up their sleeve for this latest booster shot. So if you take this new annual immunization, you should get some protection. Yeah. So it's the flu, of course and COVID, those are the big concerns. And today is the start of what the military calls exodus, where soldiers, sailors, and airmen are sent home for the holidays. You can imagine how exciting that is for them and for their families back home. The busiest place in the country likely is the airport in San Antonio, where a lot of these military members are funneled through. Uh, There's four military bases there, and it's been really busy trying to get all these guys and gals home. It takes us a while to get everybody on the same sheet of music when it comes to moving, you know, up to 4,000 service members in 72 hours. The airport's Eric Warner says they have it down to a sign, so buses are staggered, so it won't affect normal flyers. The military works with the airlines to funnel both troops and their duffel bags through security. Instead of getting, you know, 100 buses all at once, we were able to have them stagger bus drops off based on the time that service members are departing. And the head of the airport there, Eric Warner in San Antonio, says it's fun and it's really warming to see 4,000 service members in 72 hours get to go home. You can imagine it's both exciting for them and also I can get a sense of some anxiety about the whole process. Yeah, and this year, though, unlike last year where there was just a mess with some of the airlines, it looks like everybody will get home for the holidays, which is great. Let's bring it back here into the city, Mayor Adams. Rattling off his accomplishments this year as 2023 winds down, the mayor talked about how the city has seen job growth, lower crime in a number of areas, and improved reading and math scores, among many other things. But in 2024, our administration will continue to build on these historic wins. We will advance bold ideas and use every tool at our disposal. But the mayor was quick to acknowledge that New Yorkers are frustrated because the city's dealing with massive budget cuts because of the migrant crisis. The mayor also dealing with that federal investigation into his 2021 mayoral campaign. A recent poll, also not good news, only showed 28 percent of voters approve of the job that he's doing. You know, I could walk down the block. Uh, some give me the thumbs up and other give me another finger, you know. <laughs> 
but that's New Yorkers. You know, I wake up in the morning at some time and look at myself and I get myself the finger. Okay, all right. Jobs are up. Crime is down. That is what I ran on, promised, and committed. Yeah, but here are some fresh U.S. Census data. Shows New York State lost about 100,000 people from July 22nd to to July 2023, the most of any state in the nation. So they asked Mayor Adams about that during this uh, press conference yesterday. Cities have become unaffordable. Uh, And, you know, people left the city during COVID for a short period of time. And some decided that they no longer want to come back in the cities. New York is one of eight states to see a population decline over that recent one-year period. New York has lost about a half a million residents in three years. Then you have the remote work option where you don't have to be in an office space to do the job. You could do it from wherever. And so there's a perfect storm of reasons that cities are losing their population. Yeah, but a lot of other politicians, unlike the mayor, would point to the high crime rate, the uh, the migrants, uh, and all, and a lot of other high cost of living in New York is the real reason that people are leaving. The kindness of strangers helping thousands of children in New York stay warm this winter. More than a thousand coats handed out to children who are migrants. The uh, giveaway held inside the Roosevelt Hotel Humanitarian Center, which is often the first stop for the migrant families arriving here in the city. I know lots of people unhappy, of course, that the migrants are arriving here, but I don't think anybody would be upset to hear that those kids who are caught in all this are now being given jackets as it gets cold, which is a good thing. That's a primary care doctor and the the father of two small kids at home uh staying warm in the winter is our way of not only saying welcome to new york city but saying this is how we want to support you and you see the looks on their faces you see them getting hot chocolate you see their parents just having comfort by the fact that somebody cares about them yeah so the city says they'll give about six thousand coats out to uh, migrant kids this winter